Good morning. Welcome to this roundtable. Glad you're here. Joe's here, but he's inside that little uh, device right there across the internet somewhere. Uh, but anyway, good morning. Good morning. We're glad you're here. I uh, got a good uh, a good study this morning. Um, but before we kick off on that, um, I want to take a minute. Joe does this, and I think it's a good idea. One of the things that we uh, we never saw, and I'll tell you this, I never saw uh, this model did my grandfather, the two men in my family, and my father. I never heard, I never saw them share a little bit and talk about things. My grandfather, I don't know, probably like yours, didn't talk much at all. But anyway, uh, that carried on over to my father. My father and I have had a few conversations, but not a lot. And then in, in the generation I'm in, and the younger ones, starting to learn how to like talk a little bit, you know. Uh, and so all, all we need is kind of, you know, examples, because I'll remember one thing that I, I saw my grandfather hold a pipe. And I've been out to uh, some summer, uh, you know, getaways, adventures with Phil and every once in a while a guy has a pipe and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. But I would have known how to do it if I had seen my grandfather. I saw him hold one, but I was like, I would know how to do that if I saw him do that. And I'd be, I would do it just like he did because I model myself after other men. So this weekend, I'm taking my son who just got his first job in Birmingham. Uh, yeah, thank you. Off the payroll. Off the payroll. Uh, but we're going to go to deer camp because I want him to see how men have courage to be a different type of strong. Instead of the strong siren type, which is good, there's another strength. And so with that, uh, we're not going not to talk too much, but as Joe does, one question I want you to turn to your, your buddy and ask him uh, is this question. What is one of the biggest struggles you've had recently? What is one of the biggest struggles you've had recently or that you're going through right now? So take take a couple minutes and talk to your buddy about that. Make sure he sees the mocking. Okay. So, 
So what, what, uh, what this morning, this morning is a prayer breakfast, right? Kind of like a prayer breakfast. Uh, what is it? Coaching, counseling, prayer, all of the above, right? You can continue that conversation at a prayer lunch. Uh, and the way that works is it's real simple. It's real simple. Go to lunch, talk about sports, talk about football, talk about Tennessee beating Alabama, which I might, we might hear about later in a minute. <laughs> talk about whatever you want, and then and then you have that conversation. Say, hey, you know, what's some you're going to struggle or have been or whatever. And you say, can I, can I just pray for you at, at the end of that? It's that simple. And the next question you can ask, which you may not want to do the first time, because we all need examples. I never saw this until I got older. The next question you ask, is if you could go back and do one thing different, what would it be? That's another conversation. Boy, I could tell you some things I would I would say. But those two questions is a real easy way to, hey, grab a guy in this room. Say, let's just go to lunch. I don't know you that well, but, but let's just go have a lunch. What's something you've been struggling? And I'll listen to you, learn how to listen, learn how to listen and learn how to pray. And men that, that get that, you know, it's like it takes a burden off your chest. You, you, am I right, Phil? You know what it feels like to be heard and prayed for. And so with that, I'm going to close with a man that was being heard in prayer, David, as he was praying to God in a tough place. Uh, he said, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy. For in you my soul has taken refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge till the storms of destructions pass by. I call to the God most high, to God who has always been my help. May he send from heaven and save me and shame those who assail me. May God send his truth and his love. Amen. Gentlemen, what did y'all do this weekend? You know, I've had this thing stuck in my mouth since Saturday night and I can't get it out. Yeah! That's enough of that. I've got to make the most of this because it might be another 16 years before we get another chance, you know? Jimmy's going to get that HR call. That. <laughs> That's right. HR will be down here any minute. We better get started and clean this thing up. Uh, fun stuff. Then wouldn't it be something... If Tennessee and Ole Miss winds up in the championship game in December, how about that? How about that? <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, let's go to work. Um, I want to draw your attention to the words of the song that I want to play. Uh, look at your handout. And I want to offer you a song by Rascal Flatts, that great gospel group. And uh, one of their hit songs is I Won't Let Go. And of course, when you hear Rascal Flatts sing that, you think of a 
of a romance uh, between a man and a woman. Uh, and the man is singing to the woman. But guys, this is a hymn. Um, our relationship with God is intended to be a romance, an intimate encounter with the living God. And so I want you to hear these words uh, as if God were singing it to you. Uh, scripture is very clear that we are his bride. And so imagine God singing this to you. Just listen to just a portion of the song there. It's like a storm that cuts a path. It breaks your will. It feels like that. You think you're lost, but you're not lost on your own. You're not alone. I will stand by you. I will help you through. When you've done all you can do and you can't cope, I will dry your eyes. I will fight your fight. I will hold you tight and I won't let go. It hurts my heart to see you cry. Guys, when we're in our deepest pain in fighting our most severe battle, that's when God shows up. Don't be afraid of the pain. You're not alone. Uh, may you hear the voice of God through this great gospel group, Rascal Flats. And may he open our hearts to what he has for us this morning. both in a positive way and a negative way. On, on the one hand, the lion is the line of Judah. On the other hand, the lion is Satan prowling about seeking to devour us. You got to know, you got to know your context. Is this is the good, is the good line or the bad line? Um, but what I truly want you to understand as we continue through this series is the subtitle of this series is a call to personal growth. My, my prayer as we continue um, through this series is that you would be able to look in your rearview mirror over your shoulder when we finish this series and see how you have grown. If, that, if that's not happened, then somehow you failed, I've failed, we've failed. Uh, it is about growth. Um, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm moving toward uh, a position of wholeness and healing and completeness and maturity. I am maturing. I don't want to just get old. I can't help that. You get old by doing nothing. You know, blow out birthday candles but it takes intentionality and deliberateness to grow. And this is a call to personal growth. So I wanna draw your attention to the declaration 
Lion Maker Declaration there on the on the back of your notes again. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, of course, but I just want to draw your attention to the fourth stanza and highlight that this morning. The title of our session this morning is Raise Your Spear. It could easily, just as easily be entitled, Will You Fight? Will You Fight? Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, there's three things that I believe a man is. And I gave you the one and just kept driving by and I didn't give you number two and number three. And I forgot to do that last week as well. So, so here's the three things before we read part of the declaration. Three things that a godly man is and is involved in, I believe, that is a biblical model of manhood. I mentioned to you, initiate two weeks ago. He's an initiator. He's an initiator. He will run to the fire. He sees the need and he seizes the opportunity. He initiates. The creation mandate that God gave Adam was to rule, subdue, and have dominion in the garden. Go, name animals. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. The Hebrew word there uh, uh, for go is kabosh. Uh, put the kabosh on it. Uh, and we are to be goers, initiators. That's number one. Number two, I believe a biblical model of manhood is responsibility, response able. That we're able to respond. We are to be, in a certain sense, first responders. I mean, praise God that we don't uh, call our policemen, our uh, emergency room uh, people, our um, firemen, first reactors. You know, singing Rocky Top in the background, you know. That would be crazy. What a responder does is he moves into the situation and he brings order to the chaos. The great flavor and great result of sin is always chaos. As I've mentioned to you before, when I'm in my counseling room, I don't mention the word sin um, very often at all. I talk about the flavor of sin. And when I start talking about it's chaotic, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it's, it's so chaotic. And I could easily say, well, it's sinful, isn't it? But that wouldn't translate. It, it would be true. But it's like when I mention chaos, everybody moves up on the edge of their seat because they feel that every day. Feel it inside me, feel it all around me. And what we do as men, godly men, if we're doing our job, is we bring order. We move into the situation, we calm it down, we de-escalate it. Now, if you go home and there's chaos and you escalate the chaos, you just start yelling with the kids, at the kids. Dude, go back out in your car, drive around the block, re-enter. Bring order to the chaos. Response, able. Then number three, what a Christian man is, it's all through scripture, is he's willing to fight. He's a fighter. 
The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Exodus 15, 3. All throughout scripture, it's very clear. We're in a spiritual battle. We're being pursued by the enemy, the lion, the bad lion, the enemy lion. And we've got to fight. And so much of why we get into uh, situations that we hate, that we're uh, troubled by, is our passivity. I hate passivity in my own life. Part, part of the struggle of my own life um, was I saw my dad uh, talking about modeling, Jeff, uh, as you were talking. I, I saw my dad struggle with depression all throughout my uh, growing up years. He didn't know how to handle emotions. He, he never did talk about emotions, um, but he would get depressed and get really dark. And I felt that. Okay, so it sounds like a good idea, kinda. And all through my 20s, after Carla and I got married and in my early 30s, I struggled with depression. I was emotionally constipated in the worst kind of way. I didn't know how to put words to experience. In my head, I thought I need to be good. And I love Jesus, and I was going to be as good a Jesus follower as I knew. Be good, be good, be good, be good. But I wasn't addressing the underlying issues. I had foundation problems. It's like I lived in Bellhaven and didn't even know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody in Bellhaven's had foundation problems, going to have or something. And uh, my, my foundation, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't love Jesus, but I just didn't have any foundation. So I had to dig it up after I'd been a, a believer for a number of years, and I had to go back and do foundational repair. Got to fight. So I think I've covered that now. Look at stanza number four in this Lion Maker declaration. It says this, I will face my fears. I will fight for my dreams. I will grab opportunity by the mane and not let go. Be the lion. Guys, you hear the intentionality in that? The deliberateness um, in that. Um, if you really want to grow, start acknowledging what you're afraid of. Fear will intimidate you, and it'll come in different forms. You know, th some things that you're afraid of, I think that's stupid. I'm not afraid of that. Some things I am afraid of, you think that's really stupid. But truly, you start acknowledging what you're afraid of. Dear Jesus, I'm writing it in my journal. I am afraid. I am afraid. And then you've got to be willing to fight for your dreams. It ain't just going to happen. What are you willing to do? You know, dear, dear Lord, I pray X in, 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 the, in, in the back of your head. You ought to be hearing, and God would say, and what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? I'm not interested in your passivity. I'll be with you, but you've got to walk out of this. 
got to engage. So pick up your pen. And I've got three questions for you. First, first question, what are your dreams? Now, I want to clarify this because uh, I keep asking you this, this question each week. What are your dreams? Synonym for dreams in this series is desire. What, what, what do you want? What do you desire is another way of asking that same question. As I've said to you before, and I believe this firmly, Jesus never healed anybody unless he first asked either implicitly or explicitly, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Oh, I want to see. Well, go down there and slap some mud on your eyes and come on back up here and let's see what happens. What do you want? Oh, I want, I want some uh, uh, well water. No, sweetheart, you're not looking for well water. You're looking for living water. In other words, you're not going deep enough. And so desire is what we're talking about when we're talking about dreams. And the other word that would be a synonym here is growth. What are your growth goals? How are you growing? So when I'm asking you about your dreams, I'm asking you about your desires, and I'm asking you about how you're growing. Where's the battlefront in your growth battle? So would you share what action you're taking as a result of this series? I've asked my friend uh, Marshall if Marshall will come up and just share a little bit about uh, um, some challenges that he's facing. So Marshall, come up and introduce yourself to the guys and share about that. And Jeff, you got the mic there? So um, I guess one of my challenges, one of my desires, I think, is um, trying to figure out uh, life. <laughs> and uh, it's not something I really have a, a good handle on most of the time. But um, through the series, and I think through a lot of other things that have happened, um, I've come to see God showing up in my life all the time, everywhere. Um, and I think that uh, one of the things I've always I've been missing throughout my life is having other people who got that because there are a lot of people who don't. Um, so one of the places uh, I'm a psychiatrist and I just started working at uh, Whitfield in my second retirement. And there's a I guess an ethic at uh, Whitfield is uh, that. Um, this is just the way it is. There's nothing, doesn't matter what I do, somebody from above is gonna do something. And so I don't really have to make any, you know, I can't do anything about it. Um, so I'm there and I'm stirring the pot and wanna make some changes because um, uh, I guess because God keeps putting things on my heart. So I have uh, some guys that I meet with, um, anybody who knows Billy Red, who's kind of feel sorry for me, I guess, but. <laughs> I was going to have a meeting with a psychologist, nurse practitioner I'm working with on Friday, and uh, I wanted to try to get them to see what I see. 
And uh, so Billy and some of the other guys said, well, instead of going in there and trying to tell them what you see, why don't you just go in there and ask them who they are? Um, so I said, oh, yeah, great. Now I know what I'm going to do. So I go in the meeting and um, ask the psychologist, um, well, tell me a little bit about you. And what I was told is, you know, just kind of keep quiet while and if you keep quiet, then eventually he's going to come up. Well, I got out shrinked by a shrink. And he threw it back on me. He said, well, who are you? <laughs> so um, I thought for a minute and I needed to say to him, you know, who am I? And I said, well, I'm a follower of Christ. I don't want to tell you what that means. What that means is that I believe that God puts things on my heart and he wants me to throw it out into the world. And um, the other thing is that to recognize that I'm not responsible for the outcome. I mean, there are things that I want to have happen there. And uh, I can tell you right now, maybe it's because of honeymoon or whatever else, but a lot of things that I want to have happen are happening. That's pretty cool. But always remembering that the outcome is not up to me. All I need to do is listen to what Christ is telling me to do as best I, I can figure it out and throw it out in the world and see what happens um, and um, not let go of that. Um, and I guess one of the biggest things is I always scratch my head and saying, how did I ever become a psychiatrist? Because um, I, have a, I have all this scientific knowledge, um, but when I sit across from anybody, one of the things I'm always asking about, asking myself and asking them is, well, what's your spiritual life? You know, because if, you, if I can't figure out what your worldview is, then I don't know that I can help you. So I guess what I'd say is that that's what this series is helping me with, and uh, I believe it's just a God thing. Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. A psychiatrist that loves Jesus? How'd that happen? Just go along. Ain't nothing going to change. You know, we're just over here herding cats. No. Jesus has uh, called me to make a change. Whether you're a psychiatrist at Whitfield or you just walk into your house every night, bring order to the chaos. Second question I want to ask you. Thank you, Marshall, very much. Second question, what moment in your childhood has significantly shaped your life? Your childhood is always part of the equation. Um, it's when fear entered your life. Think about that. When did fear enter your life? Um, another important question about your past that Jeff alluded to is, what did you see modeled by your dad? or your grandfather? And that, that can be very two very different answers, right? <laughs> you know? Um, but there's poignant moments, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, in our childhood that shapes us. And a lot of times our growth is overcoming the wounds of our childhood. So that is a significant question always. You know, when did I begin to behave in a certain way? Because we come up with strategies uh, 
to survive, but we're not thriving. I'm surviving, I'm getting by, I'm protecting myself, I'm living defensively, but I'm not playing offense. You can't score 52 points without playing offense, I'm just saying. <laughs> had, had to work that in, you know. Oh. All right, question number three. Question number three. What action will you take to pursue your dreams? What action? What action? What action? So again, I want you to turn to your partner and I want you to just share what action that you're taking right now to grow in whatever area. And again, if your answer is, man, right now, I'm not doing nothing. I, I, I'm coming to men's round table. I'm here. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. So hopefully when I ask you that question next week, you'll have something more to share, but share whatever you can. If it's nothing more than I showed up here and I'm still trying to figure it out, that's okay. Glad you're here. What action are you taking to grow? Talk for just a couple minutes with your partner. All right, gentlemen, let's continue. Guys, I, I love the energy in the room like this, and uh, this is what we need more of. We need more men sharing with each other, more men, uh, less guys like me uh, up front telling you what to do or what to believe, and more guys just interacting with each other. 
need more of that, more of that, more of that. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 23. Let's dig in. Uh, this idea of go make disciples, raise your spirit. And again, what we've been talking about, there's two aspects of this idea of growing. Be, be a disciple and start uh, focusing on your own um, growth. Um, be uh, a grower in your emotional life. Be a grower in your physical life. Be a grower in your relational life. Be a grower in your spiritual life. Jesus grew uh, in all those four areas, Luke 2.52. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature in and in relationship to God and man. All those four pieces are in that part. So you may say, look, I, I just need to kind of take charge of my own life. My life is out of control. I'm chaotic in so many ways. I want to be a disciple. Um, and then we're talking about this idea of going. So look at 2 um, Samuel, and Samuel um, uh, gives us the um, idea of how David um, was a goer. He developed a band of brothers, started out with 30 guys, and it turned out to be 37 guys, but he had three guys that he was especially fond of, and they were his mighty warriors. Verse 8, this is the listing of David's top men. Joshibas, Shebeth, the Tankanamite, he was chief of the three, captain of the team. He once put his spear to work. He once put his spear to work. Now, in your study Bible, the translation might read, he raised his spear. He raised his spear against 800 and killed them all in one day. Dude, sweetheart, it's so good to see you. What'd you do today? I killed 800 men. Well, sit down here. I've got dinner ready. Wow. Pretty cool. And then Eleazar and Shema were the other two. This idea of raise your spear. A full day's work. Facing the challenge. The question I would ask you this morning is, will you fight? Will you fight? Or will you run? Will you be passive in your home? Or will you face the chaos? Will you bring order to the environment? Or, or will you just continue to be passive? Dreams or die? We could easily say desires or die. Wants or die. We could easily say grow. Or die. If you ain't growing, you're already dead. Now listen to this. This is this this is just quotes from out of the book Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. He he says this. I want to die doing what I love to do, doing what God has called me to do. Amen. 
This weekend, uh, we'll have another men's coaching weekend at Ebenezer Place. Um, guys, I, I love that place. There's a little cemetery up there. Um, I want to be buried up there. Carl ain't having it. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know what she'll do when she buries me, you know, but that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want to pursue God-sized dreams until the day I die. And if it kills me, so be it. Don't you want to die doing that which you love doing and honors God? Don't you want to do that? I'm not convinced that our true date of death is the date listed on our death certificate. I know a lot of dead men walking around. C.S. Lewis calls it uh, man, uh, men without hearts. Men without hearts. They're already dead. Sadly, many people die long before their heart stops beating. We start dying the day we stop dreaming. Now think about that for a minute. We start dying the day we stop dreaming. And again, we, st we, we start dying the day we stop desiring wanting, wanting to grow. I'm not where I want to be. There's things I need to work on. I, need, I don't have the skills that I need. There's a relationship that's just a mess. I want to bring healing and order to that relationship. Whatever it is, we start dying the day we stop dreaming, and ironically, we start living the day we discover a dream worth dying for. Guys, what are you fighting for? I, don't, I mean, I make a living on fighting with. People come into my office all the time. They're fighting with each other. Okay, but what are you fighting for? Start loving her. She's a responder. Quit criticizing her. Quit blaming her. Love. Love her. Love her. Love her. And ironically, we start living the day we discover a dream worth dying for. We die when our hearts stop skipping a beat in pursuit of our passions. When our hearts stop breaking for the things that break the heart of God. Guys, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Now, how about that for an understatement? Definitely not. But I believe myself to be a passionate person. Don't you want to be a passionate person? And again, the word passion means is the idea of suffering. What are you willing to fight for? Fight. I need a life goal to keep me going. I need a noble cause to keep me committed. I need a God-sized dream to keep me from getting demotivated. Guys, my experience of most men in our culture, in our churches, and just in our communities is they are bored. The most exciting thing about them is when they get to go fishing. Really? I mean, I like fishing, you know? How about deer hunting? That's cool. I, lo I love to go deer hunting. You know, somebody takes me. I'm like a 12-year-old girl with a shotgun. That you know, it's like okay, put me in. I'm not sitting in a deer stand, but I'll, I'll go in a shooting house as long as it's got a handrail. You know, I'll go in a handrail. But man, life is more than those things. They're great. Those are great things. 
What are you willing to die for? What are you dying for? I want to show you a clip. Everybody's seen this clip. If you haven't seen this movie, turn in your man card at the back door. Everybody's seen this. But this is so cool. There's such a, 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 a Jesus parable in this clip. It's right out of Braveheart. They're facing the battle. Watch this. It is the call to fight. Listen to the words of this. The dialogue is powerful. Watch this. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom! I need every morning's a strong cup of coffee in that clip right there. <laughs> Put that on speed dial right there. I'll have what he's having. Gentlemen, William Wallace, uh, historical William Wallace is not Jesus. But Jesus is represented in that clip by William Wallace because I believe as strong as William Wallace is speaking in that clip is exactly the kind of strength that Jesus imparts to you and me every day to be a disciple, to be free, and to go make disciples. There's Genesis moments in our life. And what a Genesis moment is, is a crossroads. It's times in our past that rob us of our manhood. We are intimidated, and then we make an agreement with the enemy. We somehow give in to our fear. My family tells the story of when fear entered my life. I was on a, a Ferris wheel with my grandfather. I don't remember this, but they told the story that I was just this little guy, must have been two or three years old. And my grandfather um, puts me on a Ferris wheel. And when he got off the Ferris wheel, he had 
uh, red marks on his neck that I choked him. And I don't remember that, but for the rest of my childhood, I was scared to death of heights. I wouldn't ride a Ferris wheel, a roller coaster, nothing um, until I uh, was in college and uh, kind of had some false courage in me. And then, and then I'd get on a roller coaster, if you know what I mean, you know? But it was like fear overtook me and I, and I played it safe all too often. Another episode, I told you this story, 14, thir 13, 14, tall, skinny kid, uh, Boy Scout meeting, uh, gonna take us to Philmont. Uh, my dad won't go to the meeting. They, they're, they're, they're gonna take us to Philmont. All of you that are, know anything about Boy Scouts, that's Boy Scout heaven. I wanted to go. My daddy wouldn't go to the meeting. They're gonna show a slideshow, the carousel, Philmont, raise money, take us to Philmont. Please, dad, please, dad, go. He won't go. I'm in the kitchen floor, literally pulling on my dad's leg as a 13-year-old skinny kid, begging my dad to go, and he will not go. And guys, something died in me that day. And something um, arose. And, the, and, and what died in me was my heart to trust my dad. And what arose in me was an anger um, and a vow and a belief that I was on my own. And guys, I've struggled with that all my life to believe that God is really involved with me and not somehow resistant to hear my plea for help. I won't let go. Think about that in my heart as I'm sharing that. I won't let go, God says. And I'm begging him, I'm begging him, please God, please God. Guys, we have these moments in our past that shape us and the enemy uses it. The enemy is like the evil Mr. Haney. You know who Mr. Haney was? You know, the junk guy on Green Acres. You know, so the, the devil can't create anything. All he can do is sell junk. And, he, and so he's like the evil Mr. Haney. He's driving around in his junk truck uh, selling stuff from our past to intimidate us and get us to believe that God doesn't exist. Final thing I'd just say, raise your spear of faith. Raise your spear. He put his spear to work. He put his spear to work. Your spear of faith. God, forgive me for not believing you. I will trust you. Guys, what spear do you need to raise today? In other words, where do you need to trust God? What odds do you need to defy? Stop making agreements with the enemy. You're listening to the wrong voice. You got, we all hear voices. All of us need to be in Whitfield, Marshall. <laughs> Believe me, I do. You know, we, we all hear voices. But dude, you've got to differentiate the voice of God and the voice of the enemy because they're both vying for your attention. What verse do you need to interpret with your life? A Bible verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, that's on your sheet that I read when, when we first started, is my life verse. It's, it's, it's my verse. Paul wrote it. Uh, God has inspired it and breathed it. And the essence of that verse is that every man that God brings my way, I seek to bring him to full 
maturity, completeness, and wholeness. That's my calling. That's our calling collectively. Will you fight? Will you fight? Raise your spear. Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you um, for this morning. Thank you for my brothers. Thank you for each man in this room. And Lord, I do pray that we would all, each one of us, and collectively uh, be different even today. Help us know how to be a disciple today and actually go and be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.